that hope in front of us that we're going to see the Lord. Amen. Glory. Carrie, are we are we having Sunday school this morning? Okay. We're going to dismiss our kids to Sunday school. I assumed we were, but I didn't double check. I knew Sister Shirley wasn't going to be here, so I didn't want to send the kids oh, back there and leave them to their own devices. I know Sister Mucci's kids would have been good, but those Davis boys, there's no telling what would have happened. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> we got another one. He wants to go to Sunday school. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. My title was going to be Take Heed, but I like the song so much. The title of my message is Most of All. I want to see Jesus. Oh, yeah. Amen. Uh, we're going to read. If you'll remain standing, we're going to have a little bit of a lengthy reading to start out. We're going to discuss um, some of the things that the Lord said for the church. I told you my title was going to be Take Heed. Uh, that means to pay special attention. And, and so Jesus told us what was important. And it does lead to us being able to see the Lord one day and, and to glory in Him. So let's read from Luke chapter 21. I'm going to start from verse 7. And uh, we're going to read through verse number 28. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Well, that's pretty, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It will turn out to you for an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. Let not those who are in the country enter her, for these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, 
and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts felling them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your head, because your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help me to teach it, help us to receive it, God. I pray you would do a work here among your people that you would edify us, Lord. I pray that you would bless us, Lord, and that we could bless your name and promote your gospel. Hallelujah. Let your word take impact today. I pray that it would give a great increase in the church. Hallelujah, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, you can be seated. Jesus said to take heed. This is saying, be very careful, pay special attention. Take note of this, take heed at what I'm going to say. And we know every word that Jesus spoke were the very words of life. And so there were no more important words that had ever been spoken. But there were sometimes when the Lord would highlight what he was going to say. He would say things like, if you have an ear, hear. He would, he would say, uh, as we read here, take heed. There were points even of the great words of our Lord. There were some where he said, you need to be sure that you receive this and that you understand it. And so Jesus is giving the Olivet Discourse here where he speaks, he's answering their question about when he will return, about the end of the age, about the coming judgment and destruction of Jerusalem. There are a lot of topics that he's discussing here, and it can be a little confusing because he moves from one to the other. And so there's a lot of debate about exactly what Jesus meant. And uh, I've taken the time before to go through this pretty much verse by verse and to compare the account of Matthew and the account of Mark and the account of Luke and try to make sense of it all. That's not my point today. There's a lot of arguing about what everything means in there, but I think we can just focus on the stuff Jesus highlighted. It'll be enough. He said, take heed. It'll be enough for today. It'll be enough to inspire you. He said, take heed. This is important. So when you're figuring it all out, don't miss the forest for the trees. This is what needs to stand out to us. This is the overarching message. He said, take heed that you don't be deceived. There's going to be deception that comes uh, before the coming of the Lord. So be sure that you're not deceived. He gives them some very direct commands. Don't follow after false Christians. There's going to be a lot of people doing a lot of things claiming to be Christ or claiming to minister in the name of Christ. But we cannot follow after them. Then he says, don't be afraid. We've got clear instructions. There's some mystery when things will happen and how they'll happen, but the instructions he gives are crystal clear. Don't be deceived. Don't follow after false Christians. 
after false leaders. Don't go chasing for this Messiah or that one, and they're going to be the answer to all the troubles of the world. He said, don't be terrified. Don't lose your courage, saints. The Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That's right. The Lord's given us power. He's given us a sound mind. He's filled our hearts with love. Amen. Don't be terrified. He he said, don't worry about how you'll respond to persecution. Mm -hmm. The Lord never promised that you wouldn't face any persecution. But he said, if it happens to you, when it happens, I'm going to speak through you. And there's going to be a testimony that comes out of what you face. So don't be anxious ahead of time. What will happen if trouble comes to my door? You just trust the Lord and grow in your faith. And then the the final direct command that he gave, he said, when you begin to see some of these troubling things happening, look up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. Trouble's coming, but Jesus is coming as well. And so Jesus told the early church, you'll face persecution. And do you know the events he prophesied all came to pass? Mm -hmm. He he told them uh, many of the things that he listed here that he said they would see with their eyes and their generation were fulfilled before even the book of Acts was completed. Not all of it. But many of the things he told them began to happen almost immediately. And they were a prepared church because they had a word from God. And so uh, in their time, there were earthquakes and there was famine and there were wars and they were betrayed and and there was persecution that came on the church. And so uh, finally in, in AD 70, we see where G, what sparked this conversation was when Jesus said Jerusalem was going to fall. The buildings of Jerusalem would be destroyed. The temple would come down and there wouldn't be one stone left upon another. And, and of course, for the Jewish way of thinking, this was where God abided. This was his holy city and then his holy temple. How could that possibly fall? But just like Jesus said, within their lifetime, by AD 70, the Gentiles gathered around the walls of Jerusalem and they besieged the city. And ultimately, the city was destroyed. And when the the pious Jews ran to the temple expecting that to be their deliverance. Instead, it was as Jesus said, the temple fell and the the vengeance of God came. The temple was destroyed and those who sought safety in the city were destroyed as well. Jesus had told them ahead of time, you need to run to the mountains because judgment is coming upon this city. And, And that great city was leveled just as Jesus said it would, to the, to the detail of the stones being torn apart of the temple. All of this would have seemed unbelievable, but a word was given ahead of time. It happened very suddenly. True. Uh, it escalated very quickly. And here they were 
waiting for their Messiah. They believed the Messiah was coming, but they missed it when Jesus came. They were looking for a conquering king that was going to defeat the nations and rule with an iron fist. And when he came forth as an humble servant, and he came not just to defeat the Romans and the Gentiles, but to take up a cross and to defeat sin, many of them missed it. And then suddenly, because they weren't aware of their visitation, they missed his coming. Right. Everything escalated very quickly. And those that were unprepared were lost. And the time of the Gentiles in the Holy Land was fulfilled. And the Jewish people were driven out. And the Gentiles dominated the Holy Land. And still there's great influence by the Jews there, or by the Gentiles there today. In some of your lifetime, you've lived long enough for, to see the fulfillment that was 2,000 years in the making of the Jews being gathered back together. Um, but it's still very much under the influence, the dominion of, of Gentile nations, and, and that they're still awaiting that full restoration. But just like Jesus said, the time of the Gentiles would come. They missed his first coming. And because of this, they face judgment. Now, Jesus told them this beforehand. He told his followers particularly. And what was his reason for telling his disciples? He gave us a specific reason. He said he told them so that they wouldn't be discouraged. And ultimately, so that when it happened, instead of hanging their head, instead of losing their faith, instead of turning away from God, instead, what would bring fear and trembling on the world would bolster the boldness and the faith of the people of God. This is happening according to God's plan. And I know that Jesus is coming. When I see these terrible things happening, I know I'm one step closer to the deliverance of our Lord. He told me it was going to happen. It's happening just like he said it's going to happen. And so I know that God's in control. And I know that all things work together. And I know that he's ordering my steps. And I know that he went to prepare me a place. And so the same news that brought fear on the earth brought hope in the heart of believers. We're one day closer to the coming of the Lord. We're one step closer than we've ever been. It's all going to be fulfilled. Heaven's going to be my home. I'm going to see Him as He is. Amen. You have a whole different perspective when you know the Word of God and you're trusting in our Savior. Everything came to pass when they saw that, that was a reminder that their redemption was drawing nigh. And so if these things were fulfilled, uh, if, if many of these things were fulfilled in that first century, then why are we studying them today? Well, Jesus coupled what was coming upon Jerusalem with what would come on the earth. And, 
that that was Jesus' first coming and the judgment that followed. There's going to be a second coming and there's going to be a judgment that follows. And so these were a harbinger of, of things to come. These were a preview of what would come upon all of the earth. And so we are between that time of the time of the Gentiles and the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. We're in what the Bible describes as the last days. The Lord, uh, originally in creation, we see he walked with men, and when he was separated from men, he, he eventually raised up a covenant people that were to be a light to the world. And that old covenant, nobody could keep it. And the people of God kept turning back to the world. And so he brought in a new covenant. And he said, this time I'm going to write my laws on their hearts. And I'm going to make these people holy. And, and now there's going to be a true way of salvation. And now the true lamb is going to lay down his life. And all of that was a preview preparing for this time. And so now we're in what's called the last days. Remember in Acts chapter 2, it was in the last days that the Lord was going to pour out his spirit. And so whenever he poured out his spirit, he was telling us this age, this world that we've known, it's been here for a long time. But those days are wrapping up from the time of the Gentiles to the coming of the Lord. That we're in these last days. And oh, that yeah. first generation expected those last days to end in their time. And, and it didn't. That first generation passed away. And through the ages, there have been Christians looking for Jesus to come. And, uh -huh. and because we've heard it for so long, there are many who say, where is his coming? We've heard it since the fathers fell asleep and all things continue as they were. But the Bible says, says people who are thinking that way are willfully ignorant. Amen? Just like it was in the days of Noah. There was a space of grace to be saved. And then the heavens opened up. And then the fountains of the deep opened up. And the earth was flooded with the waters of judgment. So it will be when he comes to judge the earth. Not with water this time, but with fire. The Lord tarries his coming because it's not his will for any to perish. He's giving us time oh, to get yeah. ready. Oh, yeah. And you better be ready just Amen. like the first time when it came. If they missed his coming, judgment came upon them. And the Lord is coming to save and the Lord is also coming to judge. All right. Amen? Yeah. Oh yes, our Lord is coming. And it's going to be a great day, and it's going to be a terrible day. I want it to be a great day for every one of us. I don't want it to be a fearful thing. I'm looking up, amen. My, my head is looking towards the clouds because I know my Savior comes in the power of God riding on the clouds of glory. And he said, we're going to be changed to be like him. He said, we're going to oh, meet yeah. him in the clouds. That's the great hope of the church. We can comfort one another with those words today. 
Yeah. What he said happened the first time. I know it's going to happen just like he said it would the second time. Right. Are you still believing and trusting yeah. in the yeah. words yeah. of the yeah. Lord? He told us ahead of time so that we wouldn't be fearful. He told us ahead of time so that we would not be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But we are built on a rock. Amen. We've built our life on the word of God. We will not fall under the winds of time. Under the winds of tribulation. After the pressure and the persecution of this age. It will not crumble what God is building. He's going to have a church that's going to make it. Amen. There's going to be a church that's going to make it through. There's a church that's going to be able to overcome the very gates of hell. There is a church that's overcoming the grave. There is a church that's overcoming all the devices of the enemy and all the traps that are set against us. There is a glorious church. Amen. And we're part of that church. I, I hope you're among that number. Do you know that you're in that number? Because that's the only way that you're going to make it. It's true. Hallelujah. That's the only way that you're going to make it. Many people, when they think of judgment, they're fearing uh, the next life. But can I tell you, there is enough trouble in this life right here. I wouldn't want to try to make it without the Lord. Amen. And we're told that there are going to be perilous times. Increasingly, things are going to get worse and worse. Just as everything oh, Jesus God. predicted to that first generation was fulfilled. Uh, and what had been came to an end. And, and so it will be here. This present age, the Bible tells us, is going to be consumed in, in a new and glorious time. A glorious age is coming. And so like a woman in travail as she births a new life, all of creation is groaning, waiting for that redemption that's going to come to pass. And, and so that there is tremendous pressure and, and there is increasing pain and agony and, and all the world is, is groaning before this great day of deliverance. True. It's a time of pain. That's what we read in our opening text, didn't we? Not only pain, he said it's a time of perplexity. It's complicated. That's why people are troubled. We're, we're reaching a time where there aren't going to be easy answers. Sure. We're, we're reaching a time when it's not always going to be able to tell, easy to tell who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. We're reaching that place where the wisest among us are going to realize that they're not wise enough. We're reaching the place where people are finally learning that we can't trust our institutions. The things that got us to this point aren't ready to move us forward into the future because of the difficulty of the day. It's a time of roaring. It's, it's a time where there are a million voices clamoring to be heard, but not 
one of them can really speak the truth of the day if they're not preaching from the words of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's a time of confusion. It's a time of fear. What's going to come next? Yeah. And maybe you can feel that foreboding in the air. Sometimes it's almost palpable as, as people are so overcome with fear. And can I tell you, this is just the beginning. I don't know how much longer it's going to go. I don't know how much longer it's going to escalate. I don't know if it's going to be in the next decade, the next century, the next millennium. I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to go. But what I can tell you from the Word of God is it seems that these things will continue to escalate. Yeah. Yes, it will. It's not going to get better until it gets worse. There's going to be trouble before there's peace. That's what my Bible tells me. It's going to get so bad that men's hearts will fail. And it's not going to be just because of their lack of exercise, their lack of diet. It's going to be because of fear. Can you imagine being so shaken that someone that is healthy, their very heart will fail them. Their desire to live, their will to move on, their strength to face what the next day holds. It's going to be overwhelming and their hearts will fail them because of fear. What? comes next. And Jesus says after this great time of tribulation, there's going to be a sound in heaven. And there's going to be a gathering. And there's going to be a, a, a coming of the saints to the earth. And there's, there's, there's going to be some things that are transpiring in the heavenly. There's going to be a change that happens here. He, he says men's hearts are going to fail them because of fear. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That's what the world needs. Jesus is coming. The same event that terrifies the world. The same things that trouble the world. COVID variation, this and that, and this, this shutdown and that lockdown, and when will we do it again? And how many vaccines will we be will there be? And can we keep up? And what about the next pandemic? And what about the next biological uh, uh, maybe warfare? What what about when it becomes that? What about when it's weaponized now that we have the knowledge that we have? And what about nuclear weapons? And what about poverty? And what about injustice? And what about all these things that keep escalating? We don't minimize the trouble. But when I look around at the shape of this world, I say she can't last long. My redemption is not. My redeemer is coming. My Jesus is coming to to take me home with him. And we are ever going to be with the Lord. That's the hope of the church. 
Hallelujah. Encourage yourself in the fact that you know that Jesus is coming and he warned us about these things ahead of time so that we would not be troubled. Right. That we would not be deceived. Do you know if you allow fear to dominate your life, you are not going to make it because fear is a liar. The fearful are outside of the gates. Oh, yeah. The fearful are outside the gates with the abominable. Because you're not going to be faithful and be fearful. You're right. going to be one or the other. That's right. Yes. How much does fear dominate your life? How much does anxiety dominate your life? How much does a fear of the future impact the way you live right now? On the decisions you're making and your health and your well-being and your peace of mind. Jesus gave us his word so we wouldn't respond like the world does. That's right. So we wouldn't panic. So we wouldn't think it's all out of control. No, if he knew it was going to happen beforehand, he still got the whole world in his hands. Amen. And he still knows the end from the beginning. And there is nothing that's happening that's surprising him. Say it with me. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Do you believe that? Jesus, Jesus is coming. And be encouraged. Jesus is coming. Take heart. Jesus is coming. Make the right decisions. Jesus is coming. Wake up. Jesus is coming. Do exploits. Jesus is coming. Work while it's still day because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming for us. That needs to be the anthem of the church. Don't talk more about Ukraine than you talk about Jesus. Don't talk more about inflation than you talk about Jesus. Don't talk more about Putin than you talk about Jesus. Don't talk more about sickness and COVID than you talk about Jesus. We're not looking around. We're looking up. Hallelujah. Lift up your head. Lift your head up, saying sometimes we miss the point of all these great prophecies. True. We misuse prophecy even if we stumble upon the right interpretation. For some, prophecy is just their teaching niche. It's the way that you can show that you really have insight and knowledge. For, for some, it's a great way to sell books and and movies, it's thrilling. You can really shake people up when you begin to get into the details of the horrific visions of Revelation and you start really making it real and laying it out. For some, it's a point of contention. You know, they use these words to divide the body. They say, well, if we disagree on the, the timing of the Lord's coming, well, then I'm right and you're wrong and obviously you don't have the truth and they make it a, a division of fellowship. Do you think <coughs> Jesus really gave these prophecies and said no man knows the day or the hour so the body would be divided? Absolutely not. But people misuse prophecy. They use it to contend for their views and to exclude those who disagree. I know people who are so focused on the future and they're so caught up and they lose sight of living for God today. That's right. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
they don't make a difference in the world today, but they're, they're so worried about what's going to happen in the future. And you can't hardly get them to show up to church for anything else, but you can throw a prophecy conference, they're going to come out of the woodworks. Every weird, creepy person will come out. Yeah. They're a little kooky. They're going to be here and be loud and proud if you have a prophecy conference. But you start preaching about dedication and holiness and sanctification and walking with the Lord day by day. And they're not here for that. They're looking ahead of all the vague mysteries in the future. But what about the plain revealed truth? Take heed to some of those things. People misuse prophecy. They don't understand it. If you know all about everything there is to know about the beast and the dragon and the, the great harlot and, and, and you know all about Babylon and what that symbolizes and the great city and you can tell me how Daniel's prophecies have to do with revelation and you can tell me what every kingdom is but you can't love your neighbor or serve God and live holy. You have missed the point. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. Let me take it a step further. If we only use prophecy to terrify people to get them to the altar, we've missed the point. That's right. That's true. This isn't a horror story. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus oh, yeah. said, peace I leave with you. Yeah. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled. Yeah. Neither let it be afraid. Yes. You have heard me say to you that I am going away and I'm coming back to you. He's right. talking about his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. Oh, yeah. He said, when you think of what I've done and what I've promised that I'm coming back, all these things are going to happen, but there should be peace that comes. When you start thinking about the coming of the Lord, when I think of his victory that he's already had over this world, and the victory he's had over Satan, amen, and the victory he's had over death, hell, and the grave, and I know my king's coming back in glory. I know he's coming back crowned king of kings, and Lord of Lords, when I see what he did and I've got a word of what yet what is yet to come, there's a peace that settles into my heart. These prophecies are given not to terrorize people to the altar, but to give peace to the people of God. Oh yeah. That's the real reason why the Lord told us what was to come. He said, Take heed that I told you beforehand. Now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Mm -hmm. Jesus forewarned his disciples so that they would have peace and that they would continue to believe. And that's really the purpose of much of the prophecy that's given. When we think of prophecy, do you have peace? When you think of what's coming, do you have peace? The point is when you see it, you say, the Lord already told me, I'm still believing. 
This will not discourage me. This won't make me lose my praise. A little trouble isn't going to make me forsake my Lord. A little sickness, even if I lose my life, I know that there's not a hair on my head that's going to perish. One day, this old vile, corruptible body is going to be changed into something incorruptible. One day, this mortal is going to take on immortality, and I shall live again. It doesn't matter if death visits my home. My faith is not shaken. It doesn't matter if the economy tanks. I know who my provider really is. Amen? And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Fear is not going to dominate my life. The news cycle is not going to dominate my life. I believe in the good news. I'm trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He gave us a word so that we could have peace. Paul exhorted the disciples. He said that they were to continue in the faith. And I'm just going to quote what he said. He tells us the reason he made his return trip was because he knew that they were facing persecution. And he said, I've got to tell you something before it comes. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, if you're a pessimist, you'll say, oh, no, tribulation. But if you're an optimist, if you're a person of faith, you say, we're going to make it through it. We're going to make it through it. And on the other side, there's heaven. We're going to make it through it. And on the other side, there's the kingdom of God. We're going to make it through it with the help of the Lord. And once you are persuaded, once you are convinced that you're going to make it there, it's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Tribulation Lord. won't do it. Persecution won't do it. There isn't a devil in hell that's bad enough to do it. Once you are persuaded that I can make it through, yes. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. You're going to make it in Jesus' name. If you'll make up your mind, if you'll establish your heart, if you'll believe the word of God, there's a certain peace that knowing that the final chapter is already written and he is faithful to finish what he started. Yes, yes. Amen. He started a good work yes, in me and he's going to carry me through it if I'll just trust. Oh, yeah. First Thessalonians chapter five says concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Aren't you thankful for that? You are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. If you are not prepared when the Lord comes back, you have no excuse. If you've never repented of your sins, you don't have an excuse. If you've been here, I know you've heard me preach to believe and repent. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, what's your excuse going to be? Jesus said, if you believe and you're baptized, you'll be saved. 
Peter said, baptism doth now save us. On the day of Pentecost, when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? All the apostles standing together in agreement. This was the message that came forth, the very first message of the church. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Have you heard that message? You're not going to be caught unaware. The gospel has been preached to you. And the great promise, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? It's given you the power to make it through and to come out of it with the testimony. It's all going to work for your testimony. You've been empowered by the Spirit of God. We are prepared. And so I'm not fearful. Are you fearful? You need to listen to the voice of the Spirit instead of the voice of the clamoring of this age. The heathen rage, but our Lord gives peace. Hallelujah. He's coming to earth again, and we're going to receive him. And he's going to receive us. That is a precious promise. We are not in the dark. We're not going to be caught unaware because that we are children of the light. We're children of the day. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wake up that you can be saved. Oh, yeah. You hear it right now in popular media, media and in the slang of our day. They talk about someone being woke. You heard that? I tell you, don't sleep on Jesus. It's time to wake up. Even the world seems to know that there's another day coming. It's time to wake up. But they've got it misplaced. They're, they're, they're saying we've got to wake up and there are some things we need to be aware of. But, but most of all, chief of all, we need to wake up to the fact that Jesus is coming and everything that's wrong is going to be made right. Amen. Right. Yeah. Don't sleep on that. You've got to get ready. Jesus is coming. Get ready, saint of God. Jesus is coming. Be encouraged, saint of God. Jesus is coming. Start worshiping again. Jesus is coming. It's time to get back in the prayer closet. Jesus is coming. It's time to make commitments again. Jesus is coming. It's time to renew your consecration. Jesus is coming. It's time to open the eyes of faith. Jesus is coming. Oh, yes, he's coming. Don't you lose sight of that promise. The one who died for us. And whether we wake or whether we sleep, whether we lose our life and lose our all in this, we're not going to lose our soul. Jesus is coming. He said we should live together with him when he comes back. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When we think of the second coming, when we think of the Lord coming in salvation for the saints and judgment for the world, it's to be a comfort to our hearts. Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you watching? Are you laboring? Are you striving? Are you ready? Get ready. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Don't lose sight of that. You know, our world is crying out for peace right now. And everything we try, we get wrong. 
Have you noticed? Yes. We're crying out for peace. He said when they're saying peace and safety, that's when destruction is going to come. And boy, that describes this, this generation. That describes our day. There's never been more of a concerted right. effort for there to be peace. In, in the last century, we've had we formed the United Nations. We formed our different alliances, NATO. We formed all of these alliances. Do you know more people died from warfare in the last century than there have at any other time in the world, possibly in the history of the world? If you combine century upon century, there's been that many deaths due to warfare. We're trying to find peace, but we don't have an answer. We're trying to find, through our advancements in medicine, an answer for all of the diseases. Do you know now, originally it was a conspiracy theory, but now more and more the experts on both sides of the aisle are agreeing that it's very likely that COVID was a lab leak. Do you know why COVID was a lab leak? Because there is a fear that we're due for a great pandemic. And so our brightest minds among us are trying to study the possible ways that this could happen and have an answer for it. And if this was a lab leak, it seems what happened, men got together in an effort to try to have an answer if a pandemic should come. And because we were trying to learn what to do with these kind of viruses, we accidentally released one and we weren't ready for it. Do you realize that's what they're saying is a possibility? Our efforts for peace brought unparalleled destruction in our day. Shut the whole world down. Because we don't know how to deal with the complexities of this day. Can I give you a couple more examples? Yes. We went to Afghanistan because we, were gonna, we needed an, air, uh, an answer for terror. And we went in and we spent a lot of money. And we drove back the Taliban, and we tried to do all of these things. And, and, and just recently we left. And you know who's in control the day after we leave? The Taliban. And the only difference is, after all the money and time and effort we put to try to bring peace, uh, you know, we spent, uh, I, I read Forbes magazine, I think it was, estimated that we poured about $83 billion worth of weapons and training and all of these things into that area. And we're left with uh, a few people jammed into a helicopter. And that's about what we had to show for it. And now the same Taliban we were trying to drive out is now in power. And they've got their hands on weapons and they have soldiers who've been trained and all of these things we did in an effort of peace. If we're not careful, we're going to end up with it worse than when we got there. We screamed right. peace, peace. And instead of bringing safety, it might bring even more destruction. And just to show you by comparison, Ukraine right now, we've, we've sent them all this aid to help them. We sent about $2 billion to Ukraine. We poured $83 billion worth of weapons and training and soldiers into uh, Afghanistan. And now we might have harmed our enemies for generations to come. That's right. Iran, we can't afford to go to war with Iran, so we're trying to broker peace. We can't ignore them. They're developing nuclear weapons or so. That's the what we believe. So 
we tried to appease them. And we, could we tried to hammer out a peace deal under Obama and Biden. They celebrated uh, a peace deal with Iran. And then under the next administration, under Trump and Pence, they decided that instead of bringing peace, we were pouring money into them and they were going to use it for terror. So we cut it off. And then now under the new administration, we say, well, they're still trying to develop nuclear capabilities. Let's try peace again. And so now we're trying to negotiate another peace deal. It's a strange time we live in. Do you know who's negotiating with us? Russia. Yeah. While we're funding the Ukrainians fighting Russia. Nobody knows what to do. My point isn't to point the finger of blame. The Republicans are going to blame the Democrats. The Democrats will blame the Republicans. The truth is everybody's saying peace and safety, and it seems like everything we do backfires. Truth. Oh, yeah. All our scheming, all our planning, all of our best intentions. In the end, I'm not wise enough to tell you the right answer. Neither are any of the talking heads on TV. Don't let them get you too worked up. Everybody's going to blame somebody, but the truth is the whole of creation is groaning for redemption. And there are spiritual forces of darkness that are at play. And there are things that are happening, but the good news is none of it has caught our Lord by surprise. Nobody knows how to bring peace except for the, the Prince of Peace. And he said he is coming back. Amen. He is coming back. He is coming back. Destruction is coming, but Jesus is coming. Destruction is coming, but salvation is coming. I don't, I, it's, it's a, a complicated puzzle. We built up NATO to give us defense against Russia. And now Russia is using the idea that Ukraine wants in NATO as justification for them going into Ukraine. And now NATO's worried if Russia advances any further, all of NATO's going to have to get involved. And what we did to stop war may end up pushing us into World War III. Because there's not an easy answer for a complicated world. And the Lord told us this is what's going to happen. Eventually, we're going to find that, that we're going to weave such a complex web. We're going to create a puzzle that none of us can solve. And it's just going to take Jesus. So I think it's about time that we put our allegiance and our trust and our hope firmly in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Get your eyes on heaven. Get your heart on the other side. Like all the Christians of all the ages from before, I don't know the day or the hour. It's not for us to know the time or the seasons that are in the Father's authority. When the season comes, I want to recognize it for what it is because the Lord has given us His Word and it's supposed to build up faith when it happens. It's not going to catch me by surprise, but I can't tell you all the details right now. I just know Jesus is coming and that is enough to get you through. Hallelujah. When he comes, peace is finally going to reign. Yeah. And so I'm saying, come Lord Jesus. Yeah. When he comes, justice is finally going to be just. So I'm saying, come Lord Jesus. When he comes, rewards are going to be given to the saints. And so I'm saying, come Lord Jesus, come and take your bride away. Paul was thinking about it in a time of intense persecution. And he said, I consider the suffering of this present time. They're not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh, yeah. 
I don't know how we're going to go through everything we go through or what we're going to go through or how long we're going to go through everything we go through individually, but all I know is it's going to be worth it all some beautiful day. Amen. Every trouble you're going through, it's going to be worth it. You just keep going through. Every financial hardship you face, it's going to be worth it. You keep going through trouble in your family, it's worth it. Keep going through trouble in the world around us. It's worth it. Keep going through. You just keep marching and walking on the narrow way that leads you to glory because Jesus is going to take us all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't lose sight of the promise of God. If you're troubled, if you're discouraged, worse of all, if you're fearful, if you're fearful, you've missed it. You're missing right. it right now. Yeah. All these things are supposed to build our faith. Mm -hmm. Too often we lack understanding. Mm -hmm. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says in verse 1, Brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Skipping down to verse number nine, it says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive. Here's the answer. Mm -hmm. Here's the way you inoculate yourself. Right. The ones that perish, the only reason they perish is because they did not receive the love of the truth right. that they might be saved. Yep. Don't be among those that are shaken. Right. He's, writing this, he's writing for that purpose. He said, we don't want you to be shaken. We don't want you to be troubled. Don't be among those that fall away. Don't be among those that are deceived. You don't have to perish. What you need to do is fall in love with the truth. Fall in love with this gospel. Fall in love with our Savior. Amen. Fall in love with the call of holiness. Fall in love with the message of righteousness. Fall in love with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fall in love with the people uh, of God. Uh, Fall in love with this kingdom. Turn your back on the things of the world and look ahead to the cross. Fall in love with the high calling of our Savior Jesus Christ. Worship the Lord with everything that's inside of you. Amen. Worship Him like people who have a pure heart. Worship Him like people who have nowhere else to go and nowhere else to turn. But you know that you know that you know that Jesus is the answer. Fall in love with God again. Return to your first love. Let this thing start burning in your heart. I'm a citizen of another land. I don't belong here. I'm going over there. I can't be troubled by what's happening here. Do you feel that way? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
The scripture says, as we see the day approaching, as we see the coming of the Lord, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He said, so much the more as we see the day approaching. You know, when you read in the book of Acts, that first church, they were persecuted on every hand. And so they gathered in the temple for their corporate worship. But they were in one another's houses encouraging each other. They were praying together. They were gathering together. Oh, hallelujah. And now as we have more signs, more trouble, what we're 2,000 years closer. It's hard to get people to show up to church more than once a week. Some show up twice a week, but don't ask for that third time. Some show up all three services, but don't you expect them to pray in between. They're busy, you see. Take heed that you don't get caught up. That's right. Oh, yeah. Amen. Don't get caught up in this Amen. world. I want to be caught up in the clouds. Glory. Take heed to yourself. Be sure you're awake. Oh, my. Be sure you're ready. Mighty. Give him all your heart. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Fall in love with the truth. Glory. Because if you're not really in love, you will be deceived. That's right. If you're not really in love, you won't be ready. Fall in love. With the Lord. I don't know what's coming on the earth. I didn't scare you, did I? I hope not. I was trying to do just the opposite. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know what's coming on the earth. We had a pastor friend and his wife. Uh, they, we, we have a conversation. We text on occasion. And uh, they text and ask what we thought about everything that's going on right now. You know, the truth is I haven't replied yet. Not because I'm rude, but because I don't have a thought. I, I don't have anything to contribute just yet. But one thing I do know, I don't know what's coming on the earth. And you don't know what's coming on the earth. Right. Amen. But I know that Jesus is coming to the earth. Oh, yeah. And that's all that really matters. I know that we've got to be ready. And so when we think of these things, I want you to think of Jesus. Sister Davis, if you would come, Brother Sterling. I want you to think of Jesus. Would you stand with me right now? We're told to encourage one another, to comfort one another, to gather together, to bear one another's burdens. You need the church right now, but I'm telling you tomorrow, you're going to need it more than you need it today. We're going to need one another. I'm going to need your strength if I'm going to pastor this church. You're, you, we're going to need one another's faith. Amen. We're going to need to be joined together. If we're not going to be deceived, if we're not going to be uh, uh, shaped by this world, if we're truly going to be transformed and, and, and we're going to have to go through much tribulation, I don't know how much. I don't know what it's going to mean for us individually. There are saints right now that are going through tribulation even now today. We have even within our fellowship in the Ukraine, we've got a great church that's suffering right now. And, and, and their whole world's falling apart. But, but they're not living for this world. And, and what if that happens to us? Are you going to be ready? Are you going to keep your faith? Are you going to keep your hope? Are you going to come through it? Are you going to make entrance into the kingdom of God? We're going to do it together in Jesus' name. Yes. He gave us the words we need ahead of time. I'm not going to be surprised by anything the devil throws by us. Amen. I'm not going to be surprised by anything he throws at us. I know 
that it's possible. But I know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Would you come forward right now? Let's just join together. We're going to sing this song. You're welcome to pray. If you need to repent, do it right now. If, if, if you're not ready, do it right now. But I want us to begin to pray. And I want you to pray that you would be saved, that the church would be saved, that we would be ready. And we want to sing this song and remind ourselves what we're living for. We are living for His coming. Amen. Amen.